Chapter 7.2 of the 9-11 Commission Report. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Leanne Howlett. The 9-11 Commission Report, Chapter 7.2. THE 9-11 PILOTS IN THE UNITED STATES The Hamburg pilots arrive in the United States. In the early summer of 2000, the Hamburg group arrived in the United States to begin flight training. Marwan al-Shahi came on May 29th, arriving in Newark on a flight from Brussels. He went to New York City and waited there for Mohammed Atta to join him. On June 2nd, Atta traveled to the Czech Republic by bus from Germany, and then flew from Prague to Newark the next day. According to Ramzi ben Alshib, Atta did not meet with anyone in Prague. He simply believed it would contribute to operational security to fly out of Prague rather than Hamburg, the departure point for much of his previous international travel. Atta and Shahi had not settled on where they would obtain their flight training. In contrast, Zayad Jara, had already arranged to attend the Florida Flight Training Center, FFTC, in Venice, Florida. Girard arrived in Newark on June 27th and then flew to Venice. He immediately began the private pilot program at FFTC, intending to get a multi-engine license. Girard moved in with some of the flight instructors affiliated with his school and bought a car. While Girard quickly settled into training in Florida, Atta and Shahi kept searching for a flight school. After visiting the Airman Flight School in Norman, Oklahoma, where Zacharias Musawi would enroll several months later, and where another Al-Qaeda operative, Ihab Ali, had taken lessons in the mid-1990s, Atta started flight construction at Huffman Aviation in Venice, Florida, and both Atta and Shahi subsequently enrolled in the Accelerated Pilot Program at that school. By the end of July, both of them took solo flights, and by mid-August, they passed the private pilot airman test. They trained through the summer at Huffman, while Girard continued his training at FFTC. The Hamburg operatives paid for their flight training primarily with funds wired from Dubai by KSM's nephew, Ali Abdul Aziz Ali. Between June 29th and September 17th, 2000, Ali sent Shahi and Atta a total of $114,500 in five transfers, ranging from $5,000 to $70,000. Ali relied on the unremarkable nature of his transactions, which were essentially invisible amid the billions of dollars flowing daily across the globe. Ali was not required to provide identification in sending this money, and the aliases he used were not questioned. In mid-September, Atta and Shahi applied to change their immigration status from tourist to student, stating their intention to study at Huffman until September 1, 2001. In late September, they decided to enroll at Jones Aviation in Sarasota, Florida, about 20 miles north of Venice. According to the instructor at Jones, the two were aggressive, rude, and sometimes even fought with him to take over the controls during their training flights. In early October, they took the Stage 1 exam for instruments rating at Jones Aviation and failed. Very upset, they said they were in a hurry because jobs awaited them at home. Ada and Shahi then returned to Huffman. In the meantime, Girard obtained a single-engine private pilot certificate in early August. 
Having reached that milestone, he departed on the first of five foreign trips he would take after first entering the United States. In October, he flew back to Germany to visit his girlfriend, Eisel Singwin. The two traveled to Paris before Girard returned to Florida on October 29th. His relationship with her remained close throughout his time in the United States. In addition to his trips, Girard made hundreds of phone calls to her and communicated frequently by email. Girard was supposed to be joined at FFTC by Ramsey Ben Alsheib, who even sent the school a deposit. But Ben Alsheib could not obtain a U.S. visa. His first applications in May and June 2000 were denied because he lacked established ties in Germany, ensuring his return from a trip to the United States. In September, he went home to Yemen to apply for a visa from there, but was denied on grounds that he also lacked sufficient ties to Yemen. In October, he tried one last time in Berlin, applying for a student visa to attend Aviation Language School but the prior denials were noted, and this application was denied as well as incomplete. Unable to participate directly in the operation, Benal Sheeb instead took on the role of coordinating between KSM and the operatives in the United States. Apart from sending a total of about $10,000 in wire transfers to Atta and Shahi during the summer of 2000, one of Benal Sheeb's first tasks in his new role as plot coordinator was to assist another possible pilot. Zacharias Musawi. In the fall of 2000, KSM had sent Musawi to Malaysia for flight training, but Musawi did not find a school he liked. He worked instead on other terrorist schemes, such as buying four tons of ammonium nitrate for bombs to be planted on cargo planes flying to the United States. When KSM found out, he recalled Musawi back to Pakistan and directed him to go to the United States for flight training. In early October, Musawi went to London. When Ben Alsheib visited London in December, he stayed at the same 16-room dormitory where Musawi was still residing. From London, Musawi sent inquiries to the Airman Flight School in Norman, Oklahoma. Confronting training or travel problems with Hazmi, Madar, Ben Alsheib, and Musawi, Al-Qaeda was looking for another possible pilot candidate. A new recruit with just the right background conveniently presented himself in Afghanistan. The Fourth Pilot, Hani Hanjour Hani Hanjour from Taif, Saudi Arabia, first came to the United States in 1991 to study at the Center for English as a Second Language at the University of Arizona. He seems to have been a rigorously observant Muslim. According to his older brother, Hani Hanjour went to Afghanistan for the first time in the late 1980s as a teenager to participate in the Jihad and, because the Soviets had already withdrawn, worked for a relief agency there. In 1996, Hanjour returned to the United States to pursue flight training after being rejected by a Saudi flight school. He checked out flight schools in Florida, California, and Arizona, and he briefly started at a couple of them before returning to Saudi Arabia. In 1997, he returned to Florida, and then along with two friends, went back to Arizona and began his flight training there in earnest. After about three months, Hanjour was able to obtain his private pilot's license. Several more months of training yielded him a commercial pilot certificate, issued by the Federal Aviation Administration, FAA, in April 1999. He then returned to Saudi Arabia. Hanjour reportedly applied to the Civil Aviation School in Jeddah after returning home, but was rejected. 
He stayed home for a while and then told his family he was going to the United Arab Emirates to work for an airline. Where Hanjour actually traveled during this time period is unknown. It is possible he went to the training camps in Afghanistan. The fact that Hanjour spent so much time in Arizona may be significant. A number of important Al-Qaeda figures attended the University of Arizona in Tucson or lived in Tucson in the 1980s and early 1990s. Some of Hanjour's known Arizona associates from the time of his flight training in the late 1990s have also raised suspicion. FBI investigators have speculated that Al-Qaeda may have directed other extremist Muslims in the Phoenix area to enroll in aviation training. It is clear that when Hanjour lived in Arizona in the 1990s, he associated with several individuals holding extremist beliefs who have been the subject of counterterrorism investigations. Some of them trained with Hanjour to be pilots. Others had apparent connections to Al-Qaeda, including training in Afghanistan. By the spring of 2000, Hanjour was back in Afghanistan. According to KSM, Hanjour was sent to him in Karachi for inclusion in the plot after Hanjour was identified in al-Qaeda's al-Farouk camp as a trained pilot on the basis of background information he had provided. Hanjour had been at a camp in Afghanistan for a few weeks, when bin Laden or Atef apparently realized that he was a trained pilot. He was told to report to KSM, who then trained Hanjour for a few days in the use of code words. On June 20th, Hanjour returned home to Saudi Arabia. He obtained a U.S. student visa on September 25th and told his family he was returning to his job in the UAE. Hanjour did go to the UAE, but to meet facilitator Ali Abdul Aziz Ali. Ali opened a bank account in Dubai for Hanjour and providing the initial funds for his trip. On December 8th, Hanjour traveled to San Diego. His supposed destination was in English as a second language program in Oakland, California, which he had scheduled before leaving Saudi Arabia but never attended. Instead, as mentioned earlier, he joined Nawaf al-Hazmi in San Diego. Hazmi and Hanjour left San Diego almost immediately and drove to Arizona. Settling in Mesa, Hanjour began refresher training at his old school, Arizona Aviation. He wanted to train on multi-engine planes, but had difficulties because his English was not good enough. The instructor advised him to discontinue, but Hanjour said he could not go home without completing the training. In early 2001, he started training on a Boeing 737 simulator at Pan Am International Flight Academy in Mesa. An instructor there found his work well below standard and discouraged him from continuing. Again, Hanjour persevered. He completed the initial training by the end of March 2001. At that point, Hanjour and Hazmi vacated their apartment and started driving east, anticipating the arrival of the muscle hijackers, the operatives who would storm the cockpits and control the passengers. By as early as April 4th, Hanjour and Hazmi had arrived in Falls Church, Virginia. The three pilots in Florida continued with their training. Atta and Shahi finished up at Huffman and earned their instrument certificates from the FAA in November. In mid-December 2000, they passed their commercial pilot tests and received their licenses. They then began training to fly large jets on a flight simulator. At about the same time, Girard began simulator training, also in Florida, but at a different center. By the end of 2000, less than six months after their arrival, the three pilots on the East Coast were simulating flights on large jets. Travels in Early 2001 
Girard, Atta, and Chahi, having progressed in their training, all took foreign trips during the holiday period of 2000 to 2001. Girard flew through Germany to get home to Beirut. A few weeks later he returned to Florida via Germany with Eisel Singwin. She stayed with him in Florida for ten days, even accompanying him to a flight training session. We do not know whether Atta or Al-Qaeda leaders knew about Girard's trips and Singwin's visit. The other operatives had broken off regular contact with their families. At the end of January 2001, Girard again flew to Beirut to visit his sick father. After staying there for several weeks, Girard visited Singwin in Germany for a few days before returning to the United States at the end of February. While Girard took his personal trips, Atta traveled to Germany in early January 2001 for a progress meeting with Ramzi Ben Alshib. Ben Alshib says Atta told him to report to the Al-Qaeda leadership in Afghanistan that the three Hamburg pilots had completed their flight training and were awaiting orders. Atta also disclosed that a fourth pilot, Hanjur, had joined Hazmi. Upon returning to Florida, Atta wired Ben Alshib travel money. Ben Alshib proceeded to Afghanistan made his report, and spent the next several months there and in Pakistan. When Atta returned to Florida, Shahi left for Morocco, traveling to Casablanca in mid-January. Shahi's family, concerned about not having heard from him, reported him missing to the UAE government. The UAE embassy, in turn, contacted the Hamburg police, and a UAE representative tried to find him in Germany, visiting mosques and Shahi's last address in Hamburg. After learning that his family was looking for him, Shahi telephoned them on January 20th and said he was still living and studying in Hamburg. The UAE government then told the Hamburg police they could call off the search. Atta and Shahi both encountered some difficulty re-entering the United States on January 10th and January 18th, respectively. Because neither presented a student visa, both of them had to persuade INS inspectors that they should be admitted so that they could continue their flight training. Neither operative had any problem clearing customs. Atta's alleged trip to Prague Mohammed Atta is known to have been in Prague on two occasions. In December 1994, when he stayed one night at a transit hotel, and in June 2000, when he was en route to the United States. On the latter occasion, he arrived by bus from Germany on June 2nd and departed for Newark the following day. The allegation that Atta met with an Iraqi intelligence officer in Prague in April 2001 originates from the reporting of a single source of the Czech intelligence service. Shortly after 9-11, the source reported having seen Atta meet with Ahmed Khalil Ibrahim Samir Alani, an Iraqi diplomat, at the Iraqi embassy in Prague on April 9, 2001, at 11 a.m. This information was passed to CIA headquarters. The U.S. legal attaché, Legat, in Prague, the representative of the FBI, met with the Czech services source. After the meeting, the assessment of Legat and the Czech officers present was that they were 70% sure the source was sincere and believed his own story of the meeting. Subsequently, the Czech Intelligence Service publicly stated that there was a 70% probability that the meeting between Atta and Ani had taken place. The Czech Interior Minister also made several statements to the press about his belief that the meeting had occurred and the story was widely reported. The FBI has gathered evidence indicating that Atta was in Virginia Beach on April 4th 
as evidenced by a bank surveillance camera photo, and in Coral Springs, Florida, on April 11th, where he and Shahi leased an apartment. On April 6th, 9th, 10th, and 11th, Atta's cellular telephone was used numerous times to call various lodging establishments in Florida from cell sites within Florida. We cannot confirm that he placed those calls, but there are no U.S. records indicating that Atta departed the country during this period. Czech officials have reviewed their flight and border records as well for any indication that Atta was in the Czech Republic in April 2001, including records of anyone crossing the border who even looked Arab. They have also reviewed pictures from the area near the Iraqi embassy and have not discovered photos of anyone who looked like Atta. No evidence has been found that Atta was in the Czech Republic in April 2001. According to the Czech government, Ani, the Iraqi officer alleged to have met with Atta, was about 70 miles away from Prague on April 8th through 9th and did not return until the afternoon of the 9th, while the source was firm that the sighting occurred at 11 a.m. When questioned about the reported April 2001 meeting, Ani, now in custody, has denied ever meeting or having any contact with Atta. Ani says that shortly after 9-11, he became concerned that press stories about the alleged meeting might hurt his career. Hoping to clear his name, Ani asked his superiors to approach the Czech government about refuting the allegation. He also denies knowing of any other Iraqi official having contact with Atta. These findings cannot absolutely rule out the possibility that Atta was in Prague on April 9, 2001. He could have used an alias to travel and a passport under that alias, but this would be an exception to his practice of using his true name while traveling, as he did in January and would in July when he took his next overseas trip. The FBI and CIA have uncovered no evidence that Atta held any fraudulent passports. KSM and Ben al-Sheib both denied that an Atta-Ani meeting occurred. There was no reason for such a meeting, especially considering the risk it would pose to the operation. By April 2001, all four pilots had completed most of their training, and the muscle hijackers were about to begin entering the United States. The available evidence does not support the original Czech report of an Atta-Ani meeting. After returning to Florida from their trips, Atta and Shahi visited Georgia, staying briefly in Norcross and Decatur, and renting a single-engine plane to fly with an instructor in Lawrenceville. By February 19th, Atta and Shahi were in Virginia. They rented a mailbox in Virginia Beach, cashed a check, and then promptly returned to Georgia, staying in Stone Mountain. We have found no explanation for these travels. In mid-March, Gerard was in Georgia as well, staying in Decatur. There is no evidence that the three pilots met, although Gerard and Atta apparently spoke on the phone. At the end of the month, Gerard left the United States again and visited Singwin in Germany for two weeks. In early April, Atta and Shahi returned to Virginia Beach and closed the mailbox they had opened in February. By the time Atta and Shahi returned to Virginia Beach from their travels in Georgia, Hazmi and Anjur had also arrived in Virginia, in Falls Church. They made their way to a large mosque there, the Dar al-Hijra Mosque, sometime in early April. As we mentioned earlier, one of the imams at this mosque was the same Anwar Alaki with whom Hazmi had spent time at the Rabat Mosque in San Diego. Alaki had moved to Virginia in January 2001. He remembers Hazmi from San Diego, but is denied having any contact with Hazmi or Hanjur in Virginia. At the Dar al-Hijra Mosque, 
Hazmi and Hanjour met a Jordanian named Ayad al-Rababa. Rababa says he had gone to the mosque to speak to the imam, Alaki, about finding work. At the conclusion of services, which normally had 400 to 500 attendees, Rababa says he happened to meet Hazmi and Hanjour. They were looking for an apartment. Rababa referred them to a friend who had one to rent. Hazmi and Hanjour moved into the apartment, which was in Alexandria. Some FBI investigators doubt Rababa's story. Some agents suspect that Alaki may have tasked Rababa to help Hazmi and Hanjour. We share that suspicion, given the remarkable coincidence of Alaki's prior relationship with Hazmi. As noted above, the Commission was unable to locate and interview Alaki. Rababa has been deported to Jordan, having been convicted after 9-11 in a fraudulent driver's license scheme. Rababa, who had lived in Connecticut, New York, and New Jersey, told investigators that he had recommended Patterson, New Jersey, as a place with an Arabic-speaking community where Hazmi and Hanjour might want to settle. They asked for his help in getting them an apartment in Patterson. Rababa tried without success. He says he then suggested that Hasby and Hanjour travel with him to Connecticut, where they could look for a place to live. On May 8th, Rababa went to Hasby and Hanjour's apartment to pick them up for the trip to Connecticut. There he says he found them with new roommates, Ahmad El Gamadi and Majed Moked. These two men had been sent to America to serve as muscle hijackers and had arrived at Dulles Airport on May 2nd. Rababa drove Hanjour to Fairfield, Connecticut, followed by Hazmi, who had Moked and Gamadi in his car. After a short stay in Connecticut, where they apparently called area flight schools and real estate agents, Rababa drove the four to Patterson to have dinner and show them around. He says that they returned with him to Fairfield that night and that he never saw them again. Within a few weeks, Hanjour, Hazmi, and several other operatives moved to Patterson and rented a one-room apartment. When their landlord later paid a visit, he found six men living there. Nawaf al-Hazmi, now joined by his younger brother Salim, Hanjour, Moked, probably Ahmad al-Gamadi, and Abdul Aziz al-Omari. Hazmi's old friend Khalid al-Midar would soon join them. Atta and Shahi had already returned to Florida. On April 11th they moved into an apartment in Coral Springs. Atta stayed in Florida awaiting the arrival of the first muscle hijackers. Shahi, on the other hand, bought a ticket to Cairo and flew there from Miami on April 18th. We do not know much more about Shahi's reason for traveling to Egypt in April than we know about his January trip to Morocco. Shahi did meet with Atta's father, who stated in a post-9-11 interview that Shahi just wanted to pick up Atta's international driver's license and some money. This story is not credible. Atta already had the license with him and presented it during a traffic stop on April 26, while Shahi was still abroad. Shahi spent about two weeks in Egypt, obviously more time than would have been needed just to meet with Atta's father. Shahi could have traveled elsewhere during this time, but no records indicating additional travel have been discovered. Shahi returned to Miami on May 2nd. That day, Atta and Jarrah were together, about 30 miles to the north, visiting a Department of Motor Vehicles office in Lauderdale Lakes, Florida, to get Florida driver's licenses. Back in Virginia, Hazmi and Hanjour were about to leave for Connecticut and New Jersey. As the summer approached, the lead operatives were settled in Florida and New Jersey, waiting for the rest of their contingent to join them. End of Chapter 7.2 
Recording by Leanne Howlett.